Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of the study of the Word. And here we study the Bible. We aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. And by the grace of God, we have done 25 books of the Bible. If you've not been able to listen to the podcast we've done straight from the book of Genesis, you can find them on all podcast platforms Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Apple Podcast. You can also visit our website, BibleInDepth.com. And there you shall find everything concerning the network. You can listen to the radio straight from there. You can join in our live stream, 24-7 live stream, worship live stream from there. You can access the podcast there. You can access uh, kids' material there for study. You can access anything that uh, concerns the network clips about the Bible and I believe the Lord shall speak to you even as you listen because there is no limitation to Revelation. Right now we are handling the book of Ezekiel and uh, we reached chapter 38 of the book of Ezekiel which is a prophecy to Israel. Uh, concerning the things that will come and happen to them. These things have not yet happened. These things are still in the future. They are not yet happening, and uh, they will soon happen. But uh, it was also good for us to get into the history of the Jews, to know from the time of Babylon, from the time of that captivity in which Ezekiel is speaking to them, up to this moment, what has been happening in that nation? Because it gives us a clear picture and it helps us understand who they are talking about in Ezekiel 38 and who will come. So we've been having a systematic move from uh, 538 before Christ and we are shifting and moving up until today, in this day and age. How has Israel been how have they fared? What has transpired? We're looking at the persecutions they've gone through. We're looking about the trouble that their state has gone through, uh, checking through their books of history to see what exactly has happened. And this will give us a clear picture when we come to chapter 38. I believe we shall cover it soon. And uh, we last looked at uh, a time where the Hasmonean dynasty, these are the people who came after the Maccabean revolt, um, has been in power. They've even started annexing territories, uh, taking over Samaria, taking over Idumia, Galilee. They started uh, getting different states under them. In this period, Israel seemed to be getting back or trying to get back on course through this um, Asmonian dynasty, but soon it loses its power. And uh, that's why we closed off that it was uh, going down and down in authority. And in 63 before Christ, that is 63 years before Christ comes, the Romans, they had been a force to reckon. They had been uh, growing in influence, growing in territory. Their empire finally through Pompey the Great, the Romans closing, and uh, they extend their control over the entire Mediterranean area. Remember, this was under the Seleucids, 
who had been, of course, fought by the Hasmonean and they had taken them out. Now they come and take control of the Mediterranean area. And uh, when Pompey comes, he abolishes the Seleucid, yeah? He takes over their locations. He takes over the few areas that the Seleucids had left. The Seleucid, remember, uh, came from the Greeks, yeah? They came uh, from the partitions that were done by Alexander the Great because he split his empire into the Ptolemies, the Seleucids, and the Antinigods. And uh, these, we see, eventually come to an end, specifically the Seleucids, in this area. And Pompey takes control of the Seleucid area. And he even goes ahead and he annexes Syria. So he takes care of that region. He takes control under the Romans. And after Syria, of course, is annexed, who else comes next? The neighbor, and that's Judea. That entire region is taken over. And Pompey takes over Jerusalem. He kills so many people in Jerusalem. Yeah, Persecution going on for the Jews there. And also, he makes a step and goes into the temple's holy of holies. He enters the holy of holies. This was considered blasphemous by this uh, Roman emperor. How do you, Pompey, enter that place that we uh, treasure so much? As the Jews, we take in high regard as the Jews. But hey, the man entered. And that's what we discussed last time, that uh, what was the state of this place? What was the state of the temple? Was God even still uh, considering them? Because we read in the past that people who used to enter the Holy of Holies, it was only the high priest. And he would enter there once a year. And it was very bad for you to go there when you're not, uh, when your life is not in order. Hmm? Because what it meant, you would be dead when you go there. The high priests, of course, at this time had become rogues. They were not the other high priests we knew that would uh, take issues of life serious, take spiritual issues and matters serious. These were now rogues. They would murder. They would lie they would steal so we don't know if that was still mattering anymore that they could enter the holy of holies so when pompey enters the holy of holies it just shows you how much uh the jews or israel had fallen so they consider this blasphemous and uh, it didn't matter to pompey because judea then became a client state of rome and uh, it was not to regain its full independence until 1948, that's over 210 years later. Yeah, because the Hasmoneans had tried to bring out some level of independence. But this, when the uh, Romans come with Pompey the Great, that is the end of that story. It wasn't going to recover. And uh, I can ask then, who was high priest? And Ethnarch, who had considered himself a king, yeah, uh, he is demoted from that status of king by Pompey. He's given the earlier title that they had as uh, the people who came on, or the leaders, or high priests of Ethnarch. They call him, you're now Ethnarch. Five years later, of course, the Romans even removed that position of Ethnarch and told him, retain just being the high priest. Yeah, And Hyrcanus has a close ally, hmm? someone you'd call a friend. 
someone would call his guide. His name is Antipa. And uh, Antipata is uh, there with him, helping him govern the area. And Antipata, when you read through history, is somebody who starts something that was of significance within the Jews and the leadership. At the moment, he makes a decision, Antipater. He goes ahead, collaborates with the Romans. Yeah, he tries to get, he took good books with them. And uh, earlier, just being in charge of his Hidumian uh, territory, he gets special powers from the Romans to collect taxes in Jerusalem. Yeah, says, you're in charge of tax collection. That's a big post there. And uh, at that point, you have Antipater and Hyrcanus who are running affairs under the Romans in the land of Israel. Pompey, in 48 before Christ, is in a civil war with Caesar, Julius Caesar, and uh, he dies at that point. Pompey is gone after the war they have with Caesar, and that means Caesar is now in charge. Yeah, Hyrcanus and Antipater, of course, when Caesar gets into position, they make a decision to join him because you just have to join the one who has won if you're going to be safe. And that's what they did. When uh, they do join Caesar, Iconus, they give him back his title of ethnarch. Of course, Antipater gets uh, a good position of uh, being the chief minister, charge of fiscal policy within the region. Some of the reasons that they help uh, get back these positions is they help uh, Caesar and Cleopatra, who was the, then the leader in Egypt. These two were in a relationship, and uh, they were sort of with they were in their palace, and the people in Egypt, the leaders or the people who wanted their authority back, came and covered them, closed them up in the palace and uh, they wanted them to surrender leadership but this uh, antipater they came out and hikanas helped them fight and get out of that um, situation that they had been put so caesar rewarded them with such posts that would help them and they get another chance to rule to remain with influence within the region with Caesar as emperor. Caesar's orders uh, were given. yeah, And he tells them, Jews, you have the liberty to worship. You even have the liberty to send your gifts to Jerusalem. If you want, uh, you're out there in the diaspora, you can send your gifts to Jerusalem. And uh, this liberty helped them grow in number. Yeah? Uh, you had over 8 million of the Jews in the world over. Of course, in Judea, where they were, they're just about two and a half million, but the rest were scattered across the Jews. This shows you how much the dispersion was and the effect that it had to, on them, that you just have two million, two and a half that are staying in Judea. The rest, some are in Egypt, others are in Europe, across the world. That's where they dwelt. Now, Antipater has two sons. One of them is called Phasael. And the other is called Herod. That's the Herod that we know of. Hmm? These two are made governors. Phasael is made governor in Jerusalem. Herod is made governor 
in Galilee. And Herod, as governor in Galilee, he helped to crush a revolt that these Jews, uh, all these people had done. And uh, that didn't go well with the Sanhedrin because they felt, okay, you have some attachment to us. Remember, Herod is Edomian. Edomia had been taken over by the Hasmonean when they were, were annexing territories. Edomia is taken over. They forced them to convert to Judaism. They forced them uh, to circumcise. And uh, that happens in that period. Of course, it appears like uh, Herod had been part of those people that were forced uh, into Judaism. More or less like you're now a Jew of sorts. So they don't get happy when he's crushing revolts. They're trying to overcome their uh, masters, the Romans, and his busy crushing revolts. So the Sanhedrin is not happy with them. They censure him, and he runs off. Yeah, he runs off. And in that period, Caesar, who had appointed them, is assassinated. That is in 44 uh, before Christ. Antony and Octavian take leadership, and they share the territory of Rome after uh, Caesar is gone. And they go ahead, get back in that region, and confirm the appointment of Phasael and Herod. Those are Antipater's sons, as we saw. And despite the Jewish opposition, they confirm these people and tell them, you shall lead, you shall be in charge of those territories on our behalf. So Herod gains back that. In 40 before Christ, we see the Parthians. The Parthians are mostly well-known as the Iranians. And this will help us a lot when we get to the current state. Now, the Parthians invade the region. They throw off Phicanus, and they kill Phasael, and Herod flees again. This time he runs back to Rome, and he meets Antony, who is emperor there, and uh, they enter a treaty with the Romans, and they agree that now, Herod, we're going to send you back to that region, and now, as we send you back, you're going back as a king. So, in 37 before Christ, they return to Judea. And of course, Herod gets help of uh, Roman soldiers. They come, they fight, and overthrow the Parthians. They take them off. And Herod is rewarded and allowed to even unify, incorporate uh, Samaria in his region. He replaces, of course, he comes and replaces the council of elders, and in it he puts, he says, you, you guys are not, are not going to serve anymore. Council of elders, off. And he gets his personal friends, gives them those positions. Then he goes to the Sanhedrin that censured him earlier for his revolt in Galilee. And what does he do? He executes 45 of the 71 members of the Sanhedrin. And he does that in revenge for what they did to him. Now, execution of 45 of the 71 crucial religious political leaders in the land of Israel was a very big statement by Herod. And uh, of the two that survived, these were leading Pharisees in the Sanhedrin, that these he did not kill, they were spared, and that is Hillel and Shammai. These uh, were known to be the greatest Jewish leaders of all time, yeah? They were strong in the law, they were strong in the custom establishment, and these Pharisees, those two that were spared, went on to make 
this religious institution was strong and great in the land of the Jews. Now, since Herod was not from, uh, was an Edomian, his uh, category or his line is not really fancied uh, for the high priest, of course. He is from a people that do not belong to that line. So he picks somebody else, a Babylonian Jew, who's named Hananel, to become high priest. As for him, he governs as king in that area. In 31 before Christ, Anthony is dethroned, and that is by Marcus Agrippa, who they also know as Augustus. Augustus uh, takes Anthony off the throne, and Anthony dies. And Herod, of course, when the new person comes in power, you show them your allegiance. Herod shows his allegiance to the new leader, Augustus. And by that, he's even rewarded more territories yeah, to govern, to control, because he was a faithful follower as Herod. You come into power, I will follow you. And in that time, you have a new governor who's running affairs. And for the next 27 years under Augustus as governor, Herod had to make sure he looks like a good pro-Roman and also a good Jew. He had to do that at the same time. Please the Romans, please the Jews. Of course, for the Jews, how do you please them? He decides to uh, rebuild the Jerusalem temple. And uh, this he does at a great scale. Yeah, In between 22 and 18 B.C., it's a magnificent Herodian temple. That's uh, what they call it, the Herodian temple. He puts it in high uh, scale. Looks excellent. And uh, this, which he did on the temple, it turns Jerusalem into a major tourist attraction, mostly for the Jews that were ab- abroad in the dispersion, in the diaspora. They would take time and say, we need to go back uh, home to Jerusalem to see this beauty that Herod has done for our temple. Of course, he needs to look good to the Jews. So they come, uh, move, and come to do their uh, feasts. They come and visit the temple. And he fared well as Herod in this time. Even, by the way, won for himself appointment as a president of the Olympic Games. So he was flying high in this period. So in 12 BC, they appoint Herod as president of the Olympic Games. And he is somebody who was achieving. 7 BC, he takes another step. Hmm? To please Augustus in Rome, he orders people yeah, to swear a joint oath of loyalty to Augustus. And not only to Augustus, but even to him as Herod. He says, swear that to us. Swear an oath of loyalty to us. The Orthodox Jews now fear and say, that direction we are tending to, we are going to start worshipping their statues. Hmm? So they object. They say, no, we shall not. Some of them object. Of course, others would agree. Some object. And six of the Pharisees, they refuse to swear. And this could have been handled in a tougher way because these six Pharisees have uh, refused to swear. But they were just fine. They told them, okay, because you refused, we are fining you. And their fines were paid. Of course, that now showed there's a gap that we can explore. And these objectors now start talking in 
an exalted messianic language hmm? over the being messiahs and how uh, they are going to gain control of their region. So they get one official who is called Bagoas. And uh, they tell him he's going to father the coming messianic king. They tell him you're going to be the father of the messiah. Hmm? These guys who refused to swear the oath are now considered in high regard. So they even pick this man, one of the high-ranking officials, tell him, you know what? You're going to father the Messiah. Now, Bagoas, who they are telling, was an Enoch. He could not uh, give birth, of course. But they told him there is going to be a miracle that's going to happen. And you are going to give birth to the Messiah. Now, this is a period approaching Jesus Christ and the time that he's born. Yeah? Talking Messianic kings is something that angered Herod greatly. Yeah, This, to him, was treason. When he heard it, he gets Bagoas and those that were with him, that entire crew, and he executes them. He kills them. He does not want to hear anything concerning the Messiah. No wonder the news of Jesus, yeah, a Messiah being born, it didn't go very well with him. And uh, shortly afterward, you saw that he orders that all infants are slaughtered because he did not want to hear anything concerning a Messiah, anything concerning someone who wants to take authority from him. Now, though he's called Herod the Great, it was just to distinguish him from the other Herods that would come. But for a man who was not a Roman, he attained a lot of success and greatness in his time. So, afterward, Herod dies, and Augustus divides his state. He, gives, he divides it into three and gives it to his sons. Achelas rules Judea. Herod Antipas rules Galilee. And Philip is given charge of the South Syrian regions. Achelas, of course, lasted only 10 years as a leader because of his rule. It was hard. And the Jews went on and the Samaritans and complained uh, to Augustus about how he was ruling them. And, of course, Augustus came, sent Achelas out in exile. And uh, what happened at that point, Judea ceased to be a state. It now was turned into a Roman province. And it was going to start being administered by prefects, or what they call procurators. After Achelas is sent out, Augustus says this is no longer a state. So Israel, at that point, loses its recognition as a state, and now is considered as just one of the many Roman provinces. Of course, this is uh, something that was not good for them. Now they were going to be ruled by prefects or procurators. These uh, prefects would belong to the order of Roman knights. They would come from Rome. They would be appointed from Rome. Yeah, And uh, when the prefects come, they resurrect the Sanhedrin, and remember those ones, the Sanhedrin had been kicked out by Herod. So they resurrect it and also uh, they bring back the high priest to help them govern as the prefects. Now, events that start moving forward are events after which, which after the birth of Christ or in the year of the Lord, now which we call Anno Domino or others we call CE. Now we are out of the B.C. 14 AD, Tiberius succeeds Augustus. Around this time now, Jesus has been born. 
is there. He might be still young, but he's around. Hmm? Tiberius succeeds Augustus as emperor. And he relied much on prefects. By that time, there is a prefect called Sejanus. And uh, this man, Sejanus, hated the Jews with a passion. And that's the man, Tiberius, whose emperor was relying on. His protege is Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate takes over from Sejanus. That is 25 AD to 36 AD. He is the one running affairs as Pontius Pilate. We read about him in the Bible. And he takes over. He's trusted by Rome. And uh, Pilate maintains the high priest who had, pick, who had been picked by Sejanus. That is Caiaphas. So Pilate maintains Caiaphas as a high priest. He doesn't make many changes. And uh, he experiences as Pilate a lot of difficulties in the region. Because it's been turned into a province. Affairs are not uh, welcomed by the Jews. And they're having difficulties running the region. Of course, part of the difficulties that Pilate is dealing with is a sect that is called the Christians that has developed. And they have a leader whose name is Jesus. Hmm? It's very key for us to differentiate the Jewish religion and religious system and the Christianity that comes with Jesus. Now, of the things that Pilate has to deal with, the troubles he's facing in the region. There is a man called Jesus. He's rallying crowds with him. He's a king of the Jews, as they call him. That does not go well with him. And of course, he has the Pharisees, the religious leaders, yeah, who, uh, like they collaborated with Antipas in Galilee to execute John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus. Now, they have and want to collaborate with Pilate to kill Jesus. And hey, they succeeded with that. The Jews, through the Pharisees, they had their religious system. They follow the Torah. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. They are saying he's a liar. He's not our king. For them, they expect, remember, they had already started that Messianic talk. They expect something uh, different or a different person who is even under their control. Jesus was preaching the message about the kingdom of God that they didn't want to hear. Now, those are some of the challenges that Pilate has to deal with. So, in that season, Jesus is executed during the reign of Pilate. And uh, back home, Caligula succeeds Tiberius. Now, that is 37 to 41 AD. And during his reign, the Jews in Alexandria, that is in Egypt, were taking the center stage. They had a lot of conflict with the Greeks and... Uh, in resolving these issues, Caligula, as emperor, sided with the Greeks and he ordered that all Jewish places of worship, all of them, their synagogues, the temple, be transformed into shrines of the imperial cult. Of course, that one now. Things were turning for the worse. In this season, the region of Israel was chaotic. Yeah, And under uh, the series of governors who followed the situation just kept going worse. And insurrections broke out in many of the regions. Uh, you had uh, freedom fighters start to rise up for the Jews. Miracle workers also started to rise up for the Jews. People working miracles by all sorts of manner. Of course, you had the Christians who were working by the power of God. and The Holy Spirit, uh, after their leader Jesus, 
has uh, ascended to heaven, they were working miracles, rightly so. And also you had those who would forge the miracles. Yeah, You had uh, revolutionary and uh, messianic slogans that are going out of the Messiah who is coming. Yeah, By the way, when Jesus goes, the Jewish, many of the Jews there did not believe in him. They were like, no, that's not the Messiah we're talking about. How can we be going through all this trouble and the Messiah can't fight for us to help us overcome these captors? They expected the Messiah who is going to come and help them gain back their territory, gain back leadership over the Romans. And unfortunately, that's not what they saw. So they didn't believe. So you have uh, revolutions coming up, messianic slogans of who is coming. We have a messiah on the way. They did not believe in Jesus. You also have groups of urban terrorists that started to arise within Jerusalem. And of course, there is that Christian leader called Paul, hmm? who would all, always be clashing with the Jews, with the Jewish crowds. And uh, he was preaching about Christ, whom they did not believe. So there's a lot that is happening in the region. There's a lot of chaos that is happening. You have James, the brother of Jesus, known as the brother of Jesus, who is executed by the high priest. That is Hanan II. That is between 60 to 62 AD. And uh, you have all this going on. Christians have, are, are on the scene. They are being executed. The Jews are also uh, on rampage, trying to throw out the Romans. And uh, under the prefect or procurator, Gaius Florus, that is 64 to 66 AD, everything was just getting worse. Things were not improving. It was just going bad. Now, the fight between the Greeks and the Jews was raging on. It was continuing. And in that moment, Florus, who is the prefect at that time, he takes a large sum of money from the temple treasury. Of course, he's against the Jews. Yeah. And riots follow after that. Fights follow after that. Crucifixions arise yeah, in that period. And there are so many that are happening in that uh, season within that area. And of course, by what Florus did, the First Roman War was inevitable. Yeah, They had to fight the Jews and the Romans. Of course, the Romans being in power, in charge, the Jews lost this battle. And... Uh, in 66 AD, in August, Eliezer, who is the captain of the temple, he's of course second in hierarchy to the high priest. Uh, he said, I'm going to take a step. And he discontinued all offerings that were going to Rome and to the emperor. And this was an act of rebellion. Of course, his boss, the high priest, was on the side of the Romans. And for him, he took matters as he was second in command and said, okay, I take charge now. No more offering to Rome and to the emperor. And this just brought a lot more fights. By that time, Nero is now emperor and he appoints Vespasian as a senator. Now they uh, try, they put a, a step higher in the region and now appoint a senator for this region. And uh, he calls Floras, who caused all the case, back, says, you come back home. You, you won't be prefect anymore. Now he gives them a senator that's Vespasian. Rome in its uh, own uh, time at that time has conflicts that are going on. And uh, within a period of two years, they get three emperors. The succession that is fighting their coups that are happening back home in Rome. And in 69 AD, Vespasian 
ends up becoming uh, the emperor. And uh, his son Titus stays in Judea now to enforce the order, bring back order in the place because the father has gone now on a higher role back in Rome. And in 70 AD, Titus, who has been given control of this region, captures the temple of Jerusalem. And guess what he does? He burns it to the ground. After this second temple existing for over 600 years, since the time that of Nehemiah when they were brought back from a captivity in Babylon, it ceases to exist and has never been rebuilt even up to today. It is burnt down by Titus. Of course, because of the continuous conflict and rebellion that was happening in the land, he makes a decision and they burn everything to the ground. They didn't just burn um, the temple down, but his soldiers were permitted to plunder, to massacre, to burn everything, every part of the city. And Judea was in shambles, burnt down to the ground. Of course, people left. There was a massive dispersion that was happening at that time because the land of Israel was now a west. Taken over, burnt down, temple is gone, not to be seen again. We have not yet seen that temple even up to today from the time that Titus burnt it down. And Vespasian and his father, uh, and his son Titus rather, they celebrate in Rome. They have a victorious procession. They even have the plunder which they picked from the temple, which included the menorah. Remember the menorah, that uh, uh, item that was so special in the uh, tabernacle. They came with it to Rome, celebrating and showing we have conquered Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was completely shattered. And in that effort also, the Romans decided to abolish high priesthood. They closed it out. And the council of elders was shut down. At that point, in 70 AD, it's more or less Jerusalem had fallen. And uh, now things were going to turn totally different in the life of the Jews. We shall close there today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the study that we have. And we pray and ask you to please come into our lives, into our situations, and speak to us for somebody out there who needs you, Lord, may you come out to them and show them the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.